Hey, you're listening to Soul Games, the podcast. Where we explore new ways to enjoy the game of life with a touch more soul. <laughs> and a lot of fun. So let's play. Shall we? Hey, what's up, guys? This is your host, Brady Toops, and I'm with my co-host, Emily Capshaw. Hello, hello. Good to be with you. Yeah, I'm stoked. Happy to be here. Yeah, today's episode is called Self-Help Me or Help Me Not. Dun, dun, dun. So what comes <laughs> up inside of you as you think about that, like that title? Yeah, self-help I feel like has been, it's definitely become a big buzzword in recent years. I'd say even more so in pandemic life and post-pandemic life, this idea of self-care, self-help, and everybody just seeking out all the latest and greatest trends of how we can make ourselves better. And oh, definitely. There's a lot. There's a lot Man. out there. <laughs> I mean, every day, every day, like I get a new, th a new thing on my Instagram feed. It was like, hey, try this. Hey, oh buy God, this. Yeah. Like, get mm -hmm. this device. Do this breath work. Try this thing. Go on this retreat. Yeah, which which actually it's amazing or mm -hmm. maybe just like it's my algorithm, right? Like maybe it's yeah. the things I'm always into, which is but it's beautiful. Like, I mean, well, we definitely hit like we definitely hit that world in COVID where it was like this is this is like my uh, like a drinking a beer every night or whatever it is that people do. But like that's not working. I need, <laughs> I need some help. Yeah. Well, sometimes it actually, sometimes it works tequila, but <laughs> yeah, everything about Yeah. I had a wild experience of it too during that time. Cause I was blowing up quickly as a mental wellness influencer <laughs> in the middle of pandemic, which put me in a position to have all those brands reaching out to me to wow. be the one that's sharing all of those things. And so I heard about all of them from like anti-anxiety devices that you hold in your hand to the watch thing that sends the pulses to the the cbd vape pens like all mm -hmm. of it is just was my emails every day was just products 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 of like just stuff to help you feel better so yeah, yeah i got i definitely got the firsthand experience of the, the mixture of capitalism and well-being <laughs> definitely i think you and i have both been super obsessed with this journey of be expanding of self-development of like trying the latest thing like i've always had this deep deep bent on like uh exploring spirituality but also like trying to become the best version mm -hmm. of myself and i think in the last five years i really i burned out and had this whole experience was like you know what i don't care anymore about trying to be the best i just want to be happy mm -hmm. and so a lot of my self help stuff i've tried in the last five years has really been like does this make me happier or not like mm -hmm. is does is it working or is it not working mm -hmm. and Spoken like a true recovering enneagram three <laughs> integrated <laughs> exactly. integrated enneagram yeah. three talk exactly and the nine over here is like uh i'm just gonna be being this in my room alone. <laughs> exactly uh but it's interesting because like the, the the nine goes more to the three then they like actually take action and like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can can be in a more integrated that's kind of why action why you're a good friend for me <laughs> that's why you're a good friend for me yes so in the midst of thinking about this title of this episode, I looked at a definition of self-help. 
because okay. if we're going to talk about this, I want to like define the term as a as a beginning point to the episode. And what Google says mm-hmm. it, about self help is is it's the use of one's own efforts and resources to achieve things without relying on others, designed to assist people in achieving things for themselves. Self help. Mm. And here's the sentence: When I suffered from depression, I went to a self help group. Mm. Which is actually hilarious. That's ironic. Because yeah. <laughs> the self-help group, because the whole definition is very emphasis on the self part. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a funny sentence that they chose. <laughs> so Wikipedia said self-help therapies are psychological therapies that you can do in your own time to help with problems like stress, anxiety, and depression. Mm. So I think there's an interesting balance here, right? In the whole self-help world where like... um can you help yourself? Are you, is it, can we heal within the self without the help of others? What is this whole thing where self-reliance sort of self-personal agency and self-reliance meets like other people, other moments, uh, new relational experiences to help rewrite new narratives, new Mm -hmm. ways of thinking in the world. Uh, I think there's a modern movement right now where it's like, it's actually very, you mentioned me being a three in the Enneagram, but like, it's very three Enneagram ish, where it's like, Hey, you can heal your life. Like you, you can do it on your own. Like you can do your morning routine, do your practices. Hashtag self healers movement. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because I, there's a part of it. I think that I really like, which is like, Oh, we have agency. Like I can get up and do something. Like I'm not, I'm not a victim to my life. Right. That's like a huge first step. But then I think on this spectrum of the the self-help idea or the definition where like it can fully move to like this, uh, self-reliance independence, like, no, like I don't need anybody. Like I got it myself. And I'm not sure that I totally agree with that basic definition. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. And for me, it's all, it always, my nineness here, I'm always in the both and and hearing like, well, on one side, yes. And also no, because like you said, there's a beautiful aspect to the agency that I feel like is really needed. The movement of that did feel really needed to break away from, this dependence on an outside savior and learning that we do have everything we need within and there's there's a coming home to the self that's available in that ideology and that i think if you take that too far to discount the importance and the role of others and our connection to others then it can become dangerous. And also I think dangerous if it becomes this pursuit of bettering myself that never ends. Like you said, the goal of just how can I be happy versus how can I be perfect is a really important Mm -hmm. distinction in how we utilize self-help. And I think there's something really valuable in the philosophy of it, even in the way that we interact with others and relate with others. Like at this point now, when I utilize the help of a therapist, for example, or a body worker or anybody that I'm hiring to help me. I do it from a perspective of this person is not, they're like a mirror to me. They're reflecting something and emphasizing back the power that I have within my own self that they're not the one saving me. They're just 
emphasizing and reflecting the power that I have within my own self, which is really mm. beautiful and important too. So I really love that. I mean, I think yeah. one of the shifts for me in growing up in the Christian space and then sort of transitioning into a bit more open space of where I, how I see myself, the world, God, one another, was this shift from kind of an external locus of control where the authority lied outside of me and other people or books or, you know, ancient writings, th those kind of things, into like, does the teacher, does the knower, uh, does it actually live within and can we trust it and can we get to know it? And so when you're talking about like working with different people and trying different things, like I hear you saying, does it awaken? Does it ref, what does it reflect internally? Like the thing that I have learning to tap into be in tune with, which is like the heart being the knower of truth or the intuitiveness mm -hmm. or whatever. So, you know, like, I think that's been a massive thing to me go like, I can actually trust this. Like I can trust mm -hmm. this Brady. Mm. Yeah. I love bringing up the idea of authority because that feels like the important distinction is I have authority over myself and I have the ultimate power. Even when you're working with a therapist, like mm. how I show up and mm. what I allow to shift in myself is the ultimate authority that's controlling my results mm. and my outcome and I can be supported. I can be supported greatly. Yeah. Like I've, I'm, I just had a session with a dear sister, a friend who was doing some body work on me the other day. And it was a perfect example of that, of I'm doing this work within myself and she's here holding space for that and supporting me. But the magic exists in the, the, the true self that is in both of us. And mm. so that's, it kind of, there's, you could get really philosophical, philosophical about it, about what or self are we speaking of. Philosophical. <laughs> New word I just invented. Got you it. Philosophical about it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so philosophical <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You could get on the philosophical side. You could go even yeah, deeper of like totally. what, who is the self? Cause the self is within all, but yeah, that's, that's I love deep. It. Deep thoughts. Let's get it. So today is an exploration of the tools, resources, modalities, experiences that we've had or seen in in the self-help world and whether mm -hmm. they've worked or not and how they've worked or how they mm -hmm. haven't worked. So we have three basic segments. Let's get personal. Let's get social and let's get deep. The first segment, let's get personal, is a segment where we'll talk about different personal stories and experiences uh, in regards to self-help self-help things we try and whether they worked or not. And then we'll tap into the social aspect of, of the Instagram worlds and TikTok worlds and the things we've seen. And then lastly, we'll get into a let's get deep moment where we'll draw a card, ask each other a question and uh, get vulnerable in its okay. own way. So excited to have this conversation with you. Shall we get into the first segment? Yeah, let's, get, let's get let's get personal. I'm ready. Let's get personal. 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 Let's get personal. <laughs> that was done by Emily Capshaw and myself, by the way. <laughs> we want to do a little ditty uh, for the different segments. We're so multi-talented. 
Hey, all our skills. I, it, <laughs> I actually am like, I'm like, let's be dumb. Let's have so much fun. Let's like sing a little jingle. Yes. It reminds me of my like childhood, right? Watching the commercials. Mm-hmm. But let's get personal. So I think you should start Emily Capshaw. Self-help <laughs> or help me not. All Emily right. Capshaw, let's get personal. We're going to go straight to super personal, the most personal. Hey, yo gonna dive right in because we're not wasting time here we're here to give you the goods so (laughs) i'm gonna start with um a practice that i just found out about very recently last year i heard about it and i was shocked which for me if someone shocks me i'm always like ooh, like interested i want to try everything like want to get into everything but i was like oh my god this is crazy and i was a little skeptical um and this practice is called sacred spot. So the concept of sacred, sacred spot, sacred spot is the name of this. There's books on it. There's like articles on it, um, different places that you can get it done professionally. There's a lot that you can dive into with this. And the idea of it is that there's certain points in the body that hold a lot of memory and trauma and information. And when you put, pressure on those places it can release a lot and the places that hold the most of this charge is inside the asshole (laughs) and inside the yoni uh for those of there those listeners that aren't familiar with the word yoni what what is the yoni the yoni is the pussy so asshole and pussy. <laughs> Wait, like for a quick side note as we get to this conversation, because this is amazing. The asshole. <laughs> now, is it okay for a guy to say the word pussy? I love the word pussy. I'm okay. like all about pussy reclamation, pussy power. Yes. <laughs> it, for me, it's a yes. Okay. I can great. only speak I for just, myself. You know, I want to play by the rules. Yeah. I mean, we all make our own rules, right? So it's like consent and what is offensive and not is always going to be decided between the individuals involved but for me Mm. for me it's a yes to the puss so wait a second okay sacred spot uh this Uh is uh, this is a uh, de-armoring process of trying to work with trauma that's stored in the body the body Mm -hmm. keeps the score but uh, exactly. And 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 the these very sensitive areas of our body Mm -hmm. um is where a lot of it's stored but you wait have you like done more than just like read about this or yes. what what's yes. your story i've experienced come it come on come on give us the yeah. deets we'll go in yeah so you could tell already just by probably the reaction for those listening of me even just saying that how what did your body do did your butthole tighten like what happened here <laughs> and that already can give you some information of why these are such charged areas cuz there's a lot of shame there and there's a like so much shame um So yes, I have both experience receiving this and giving it. And I will say it was the most like spiritual, transformational, deep release process I have ever done. Like, and I've done plant medicine. I've done like more than any of that. I was, I was blown away at just, it's like nothing's happening. It's just like, a little pressure and especially as someone who you know i'm i've had fingers inside of my body 
my own and others <laughs> without that Throughout intention. Various experiences, right? Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, there's you other know. reasons to put fingers as, in your body. As one does. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what was the most surprising to me is like how different of an experience it was because it wasn't sexual. There wasn't mm. a like erotic energy to it. And I was like, okay, I mean, I've like, how crazy can it be? But I don't know. There was something so mystical and magical about my experience where I don't know if it was the intention. I don't know if it was just like, just putting like holding pressure in a certain area until something came up and just sitting with it, like not moving, Mm. just like holding that. And then the deep surrender of my body to just do whatever it needed to do to shake, to breathe, to make mm. sound and really move these things through. Wait, so I, you got to help paint the picture for me a little yeah. bit, like a little bit better. So totally some of these experiences you've done on yourself by touching different sacred spots on your body with sacred uh, spot. From what I understand, it's not like a, you don't do it to yourself. You're it's okay. someone else is doing it to you. Somebody else is doing it to you. And mm-hmm. so you've been in these moments where somebody, like mm-hmm. either a practitioner or mm-hmm. somebody at a retreat or something, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. guys had this practice mm-hmm. and they would, I mean, you're obviously naked, I would assume. Yeah, you're naked right? and it's, yeah, a practitioner is which doing is it to you. Pretty vulnerable. Like super, super vulnerable, vulnerable. Which is part of why the vulnerability is like, I think what makes it all that much more powerful is because it is this release of into deep, deep vulnerability and trust. And so you would obviously have to be with somebody you have like feel deep safety with, like radical, radical safety. Yeah, I right? mean, it doesn't Cause, it cause doesn't have is... to be someone you know. It's like the there's the trust in a in a practitioner yeah. of like yeah. it's an established container that's for this purpose. It's like this person. I mean, it's like done with gloves. It's it's not. It's like I'm here mm. in service to your body mm. to just. Be, and you then know, they'll do what you need to do yeah. and hold space. And they'll just sort of, there's a process, I'm sure. But then mm-hmm. ultimately when you get like down into the down and dirty, mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. down and dirty uh, of the asshole or mm-hmm. the other sacred spot mm-hmm. with female, mm-hmm. they, what, what do they do? Like did, on you, what happened? Did they just like put their thumb in a certain spot on your asshole? Yeah, and you then, just like, insert it. You just insert. Or you insert. You insert a finger. And then slowly put pressure around different areas until you hit a trigger point Uh. where an emotion comes up. And when you hit a trigger point, when the emotion comes up, then you just sit with it and you just move. You move the emotion, you cry, you scream, you do whatever you need to do to emotionally release what is trapped in that area of the body. So what came up for you? Like what emotions? Did you have also memories or images that came to mind? A bit. What happened? The reason it was so powerful for me is it was the most I've really tapped into feeling ancestral trauma. Like I, there was so much that felt like, oh, this isn't, this is like way bigger than me, beyond me. And so there wasn't as much specific memories coming up in my experience, even though I know some can, but it was more this, it felt like this ancestral collective anger and pain and agony. And a lot of it was just strong emotions without much story connected at all. But I could just feel like, oh, right there, there's like big anger and 
yeah, but there was a deep knowing in my personal experience that a lot of it was from way beyond me. And I don't know, I don't pretend to understand that stuff. And I don't feel like I need to, to experience the benefits of it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I feel about past lives or anything like, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary for me to come out of them and be like, well, this was from my past life when I did this. And now it's here, you know, in the spot, like all that needs to be understood to get something out of that moment is I feel this right now and I know how to move it through my body and it's releasing. And so it was really wild, very, very mystical, but I'm a believer. I'm a believer in the sacred spot. So it gets a thumbs up for me. It gets the stamp of approval. It's a yes. Sacred Self-help or help me not. This is definitely positive. It helped. It helped yes, the self. It helped. Damn. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of things going up my uh, asshole. Mm-hmm. So I definitely tightened when yeah. you talked about that. Uh but I feel your bravery and I think that's fascinating. It's super fascinating. I've, I've, I haven't had it anything. I haven't, ne- I haven't done anything like that. I've never tried it. But I have had moments where I was in a massage and somebody touched like a place in my, near my ankle because I used to ro- roll my ankle a lot as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, this like almost like trauma release happened up my leg and it was like, <sighs> my whole leg was like, whoa. And I was like, oh, sh- there's some real stuff that's remembered down there Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it makes sense it makes total sense yeah all right well where should i go after that after that moment (laughs) top that one brady (laughs) after asshole disarmament (laughs) i set the bar high (laughs) go for it okay so i'll say this like uh um about five years ago i was in a really really difficult spot and i may have briefly touched on this at one point in the podcast but I was in a season where I was feeling really depressed, anxious, hypervigilant, so much so where like there's a loud noise, like my nervous system would be dysregulated for the next six hours. And um, I was going too hard for too long. Like all my life was trying to achieve, be the best. Like I was, I was traveling and doing music at the time. I was doing the podcast or maybe just starting the podcast. And this might be four years. I figured like exact time frame, but I was running some Airbnb stuff and I was desperate for help. Like it was at the point where if I sat down to try to meditate, like I just couldn't even get any levels of peace. I had a hard time even accessing gratitude. Mm-hmm. And in that season, I'd end up doing a lot of research around psilocybin and sort of the effects of psilocybin, which is mushrooms, like psychedelic mm-hmm. mushrooms for those of you who don't know. Uh, around the effects of psychedelics in healing various uh, anxiety, depression. And I read about it for like six months because I'm the kid who like grew up Christian and didn't take a drink of alcohol till I was like 30. So like anything drug related was just not my experience. And so I was like, I better figure all this out. And then I had a friend that was like, hey, um, if you want to do this, like I'll, uh, he was fairly experienced. He said, I'll be your guide and we can like do a mini ceremony. And there was a place uh, in nature that he had reserved. And anyway, so I, this was my first experience with psychedelics mm-hmm. and I took four grams of, I think, golden teacher psilocybin mm. and 
we had all said a prayer sort of beforehand and set our intention. And I think my intention was something like, I, I want to find a way out of my suffering. And like in that season, it was constant every moment of every day. Like I felt a belt across my chest and I felt a pain in the center of my chest that I couldn't get to. Mm. And I was desperate for help. So we set our intention. I wanted to like be happy, get out of my suffering. I think I even said I want to meet God. And I was just like going for all of it. I was like, let's just throw whatever we can in there. Cause like, let, well, who knows what's going to happen? Cause I'd heard all these crazy stories. And we ended up taking the mushrooms and then walked down to this creek. And I think it was 45 minutes in, I started to feel the effects of the mushrooms. And I was really pretty, I was actually quite scared because I'd never had a kind of a, a drug experience or a medicine experience. I don't think of mushrooms anymore as a drug. I think of them as a plant medicine, a sacred, sacred plant mm-hmm. medicine from the earth. And about 45 minutes in, I, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, she was feeling nauseous because mushrooms can kind of do that to your system. She was throwing up and I just was like, uh, I looked over at her in the bushes and I was just like, I'm sorry, I can't help any longer. And I just laid back on the shore with my feet in the creek. There was a creek mostly about like a foot or two deep. And I just surrendered into the experience. And for the next like five or six hours, tripped, like tripped, tripped my mind like <laughs> totally tripped tripped ball <laughs> and i remember like about maybe an hour and 15 minutes in i started feeling the water next to me and i was like this is the most beautiful experience mm. in my life and all of the suffering that i'd felt was sort of like had dissipated and i felt completely present in this moment and it was like there was nothing that mattered except for the feeling of the water against my hands. And my friend goes, hey, Brady, why don't you see if you can stand up? And I was like, I can stand up? <laughs> like, no way. I stood up and I started feeling the water uh, beneath me. And I was like, this is, oh, my God, this is even better. And I remember I was being so loud. So I just kind of became like a little kid for the next like five hours mm. and was so joyful and so happy. And uh, like it's different than like a, a an alcohol experience where, you know, people can sort of like, uh, you know, become le- like less inhibited, but then like less like functional. This kind of I became more into the moment, not disengaged from the moment. Yes, definitely. And You've always had an experience. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I remember uh, my friend goes, hey, Brady, why don't you walk down the creek? mushrooms on my earrings, Brady. <laughs> oh, damn. I didn't even Obviously, see it. Obviously, I've had that experience. <laughs> so you're, you're way more advanced, way more experienced than I am. But I did just get a new earring, which I'm really stoked about. So, oh, nice. Uh, I remember walking. My friend was like basically going, hey, Brady, like go do your thing because you're being too loud for everybody else. So I I was like uh, walking down the creek and I remember getting underneath this bridge and I scared out a crow, like a big black crow. Mm. And when it happened, I had been gripped with fear for the previous couple of years, like like I talked about loud noises and that kind of thing. When the crow got scared out, I felt this the familiar sensation of fear start in my belly come up through my 
uh, solar plexus into my heart space, up through my throat, and it came out my mouth like, wow. Mm. And I had this- Like you actually like, said wow like that? I said, wow. <laughs> and and actually for the next four hours, all I was basically saying was, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and it was interesting because when the sensation in my body happened, the fear sensation, it would be the type of thing that would um, spin me out, my nervous system out, and I would go all these narratives and I would get stuck in this like kind of freeze fear response. But it was like, the something with the psilocybin and the bypassing, I think, of, I don't know, the reptilian thing mm-hmm. and creating new networks in your brain or all the things they kind of talk about. It was like fear without the story of, without the story or without the sensation of trauma mm. actually ex- was expressed through my body as as pure wonder. And I mm. felt it, I felt it as delight. I felt it as oh, pure delight. How amazing. And you know, there's a, I mean, it was insane. And there's the, there's the, um, there's a quote from Joseph Campbell that says, every feeling fully felt is bliss. Mm-hmm. I love that one. And it wasn't that I needed to convince myself that fear was actually wonder. It was that fear that wasn't trapped inside of my nervous system, just naturally expressed, was expressed as the bliss of wonder. Mm. That's amazing. And it was a, like such a massive transforming moment. There's like so many things that happened during that experience. I think like I'll, I'll comment about maybe like one or two other aspects. Uh, but I remember like getting, like going on this like sacred journey down the creek. And I got to this point where I was like trying to meet God. And I finally was like, I think this is the spot. And I stopped in the creek. And I remember looking up as these these uh, trees were kind of like enveloping the creek and the the 2 p.m., 3 p.m. sun was kind of filtering through the, the leaves. And I just had this moment when I stopped that I was like this sort of realization or revelation that's, that I, I like lifted my hands and I was like, oh, my God, I've won. Mm. Like I've, I've won. And this like this thing about needing to win as like needing to be the best is like an Enneagram 3 of like needing to find deep significance to overcome the shame spiral or the deep like unworthiness story i had this moment where i was like oh my god like i've won just by existing Mm. i like i felt like i was the thing that i always longed to be through performance or achievement but just by existing as a human as brady in that moment oh what a good breakthrough You're wow. like, oh, what a I good love it. I really love it. This is, I'm like the, remembering now somebody commented on my old <laughs> podcast once, like, why does she make so many sex noises when other people are talking? Because <laughs> I can't help it. Mm. I'm just like, uh, mm, mm, uh, oh. <laughs> I, uh, I just feel it so viscerally. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's so oh. good. Wow. It was so life-changing for me. Like I remember coming out of that experience and I appreciate your sex noises, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I remember coming out of that experience and it it wasn't like it was a fix-all be-all for like the 35 years that I had lived and like the patterns and the, you know, the suffering. But it was almost like I felt like I lost 50 pounds of emotional baggage. Yeah. And I remember the next day 
because you know during this you know you hear the people that are like hey you gotta just be grateful you gotta start a gratitude journal you gotta do your gratitude practice well like my nervous system was so whack that i couldn't even access gratitude if i tried no it's in the body all that happens in the body like you can't think your way to any of that shit. You you can't think your and so like this is this is like a thing around like top down transformation or bottom up transformation. And mm-hmm. like what I've heard is like ninety percent plus of transformation happens um bottom like bottom up, like body yeah. or mind, rather than like top head like head down, which actually the funny thing about like the Instagram space is like all the stuff I see around mindset, I'm like God, I'm so tired. Anyway, mm-hmm. we get into, we'll get into that later. But mm-hmm. I was in my kitchen the next day and I just started weeping, mm. weeping because I felt so deeply grateful for the experience, for my life, um, for finally feeling some sense of presence mm-hmm. with this moment. And I think it was just, it was one of the most significant catalytic moments of my entire life, maybe only superseded by some mystical experiences in my 20s mm-hmm. uh, that really set me on the course of the last four or five years in the in the midst of getting out of my suffering and experiencing a new level of, of deep and abiding well-being. And in the in the in the context of self help me or help me not, I would have to give it two massive thumbs up. So it definitely <laughs> works. Helped. God bless mushrooms. God bless the broken road. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, oh, mushrooms are wild. Yeah, they're great. They're like, there's such a different quality to the different plant medicines. They really do have these, their own personalities and essences. And, you know, the indigenous tribes that have used these for so long, like it's it's new to the the modern world and having all this press about it and lab studies about things and stuff. But people have been using these things for a long time in a very sacred and religious and honoring way. And a lot of these tribes, they, they relate with them in a relationship like they're the spirit that has its own being. And the mushrooms are known Mm. to be like this childlike playful innocence Mm. to the quality of mushrooms where they're reminding you like, you have one just play like look around like that wow it is that it is Mm. that to take it all so lightly and take it like a child versus like ayahuasca with the more grandmother energy and um you know even like tobacco or um Mm. what chuma or like Like, some of these that have more father energy like they really do have these archetypes and essences of of mother father child yeah. And I love that about I'm, mushrooms that it is it is the medicine <laughs> of the child. Uh, that, I mean, it makes so much sense because like I become I mean, I'm always a big child, but I like mm-hmm. really become like a big child. There was like one one moment I was, you reminded me of I was like I was coming down from a mushroom trip. I've actually done two big mushroom journeys. Mm-hmm. This was the second one I was coming down and it was that moment in the night where like I was like, "Oh, I think I'm hungry. Like I might eat something." And I went into the kitchen and uh, you know, it's the point where they're still not going to give you your phone. It's mm-hmm. like stay, like stay away from your phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember there were strawberries and oh, strawberries on any oh, psychedelic is great. Exactly. So I leaned, I, I like reached down and I grabbed a so- strawberry and I bit into it. And like, there's just something that all your senses are awakened, right? Yeah. In the midst of that, so a lot so more with. neural pathways popping off yes. and activity. Like everything right. is just. 
times 10. So I bite into it and I just like start screaming at the top of my lungs. You know, I love strawberries. You know, I love strawberries. That's amazing. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, let's get personal, Emily Capshaw. All right. I'm going to take us in a different direction. And because we got to talk about some of the the not so helpful things, of course. And this is a controversial one. People feel really strong ways about this. Mm. But I'm going to dive into essential oils. Essential oils. Essential oils. Because I had a phase where I got really caught up in it. I was drinking the Kool-Aid of the essential oils. I had them all over my house. I had them for everything. I even got into the MLM business side of it. Like I really got sucked into that world and Mm. really, really like came to it, not cynically at all, like wanting, like believing like, yeah, plant, plants, you know, natural medicine, I'm with it. Like all, and they make it seem very scientific where, you know, you can get, you can pay to have research done on anything and have lab results Mm. say pretty much anything that's something like i I always take that with a grain of salt now of like pretty much any study you could end up finding a study that says the opposite so just because it's like there was a study done on this like Mm -hmm. when you really start digging into what that means it's not quite as like black and white as some people might want to make it seem um but yeah, I was like, oh, there's all this science, these things, and it's curing all this stuff and really bought into it and was utilizing them a lot. And I I hate to say I'm speaking for only from my own personal experience. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Maybe there's someone out there who had cured their cancer or something. I don't know. <laughs> In my experience, I had all, all this stuff for all the things. And there was multiple times at the time I was really into essential oils was actually a time in my life where I was getting sick a lot. Hmm. Something was up with my health. I was constantly getting sick. I had pneumonia like three times in the same year. I had colds constantly. And every time I would reach for the oregano oil and the, the on guard and like all the things that was supposed to knock that out. And none of it would ever help. Like none of it ever made me better. None of it ever, it just didn't seem to do anything. And they're expensive. I was like, I was shelling out hundreds of dollars a month on these things. And it just Wait, felt so like you, it wasn't doing anything. You had zero, you think you had zero positive response to anything? Like, cause I know like I've tried some of those that are like help you relax. I don't know if it's like lavender mm-hmm. or whatever, but like. See, like that's, nothing? I think there's a distinction between mm. use like the using smells like smells directly to your brain to create a certain association with a smell just because it Uh. smells nice. (laughs) Like if I smell lavender, it is going to create a positive experience. I think there's a difference Mm. between like, I still have some and I still enjoy like putting them in diffusers and wearing them on my body. I get really allergic to Mm. perfume. So I still wear essential oils to make myself mm. smell good. Like there's things that I still <laughs> utilize them for. I I just like to cure my pneumonia. It didn't cut it. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I get yeah, a little yeah, skeptical yeah. about using them to actually like the really big claims that people make about them to like 
cure illnesses and like reverse aging and things like that. I just didn't like I had the skincare stuff and it like like none of that kind of stuff for me personally ever really worked. Um, And there's a whole nother story in this. But the thing that actually helped me, I was this is also very controversial. Get to piss people off. I was vegan at the time. (laughs) What actually helped me was eating meat. When I started eating meat, um, I got way better. You stopped getting sick. I stopped getting sick, and now I, I almost, I rarely ever get sick. And when I do, it's I can feel that it's directly connected to my emotions. When I'm processing really big uh, emotions and I'm really going through something, and I try to just like muscle through that and still hustle, my body will get mm. like a cold or something to kind of be like, bitch, slow the fuck down. Um, (laughs) and I'm like okay fine I hear you like I'm chilling I'm chilling Mm. so it feels like a way to communicate with me but I haven't Mm. gotten like really sick um in a long time and yeah so but that's a whole nother story uh, for another day about veganism but right now we're talking about essential oils and from my personal experience I have to say didn't didn't help Get to know. Get to know for me. Well, I guess the the question is: Did you become like a multi millionaire though? Maybe. See, the business side didn't work either. (laughs) Didn't work out either. Damn it! (laughs) Didn't help my didn't help my wallet, and didn't help my bod. Didn't help the bod. (laughs) Well, I hope it's helping y'all out there. But I have not explored the essential oils. Ah. But it's good to know. Now I don't think I'm missing out. Yeah. So we got a big thumbs down for essential big oils. Thumbs down on the essential oils. Do you have do you have any thumbs down ones to share? Well, I have um I have one that let's just say it's like way more commonplace, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about meditation. Okay. Like this If you give a I thumbs down I to s- meditation, we're about to not be friends anymore. Uh, <laughs> TVD, we'll see. Uh, commercial break. Do they stay friends? Is the podcast over forever? Find out dun, on the dun, next dun. episode when we come back. Soul Games, the podcast. <laughs> Your reality podcast show. Um, so, okay. So I have had a pretty deep experience with kind of contemplative prayer in my history, Mm -hmm. which kind of had to do with repeating a mantra or a word that kind of helped you drop in to an experience of the divine in some sort. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of my 20s doing that. And then in my early 30s to mid 30s, I started to read like the Eckhart Tolle stuff and some of the Eastern Buddhist stuff. And was like, oh, maybe like medit like everyone's talking about meditation. Like I need to do meditation, and I remember it was similar, like a similar season of like right before I did that mushroom journey, mm-hmm. when everything inside of me was kind of whacked out, mm-hmm. and I remember trying to like get up in the morning, and you know, part of the practices in the midst of me trying to get back come back home to myself was like hey drink some water get some sunlight move your body and then take 10 minutes and do some meditation and you know i like i'd been to an eckhart tolle retreat i'd read the power of now i'd read a new earth like uh, i 
I was around all these people in Oslo, Norway, before Eckhart would walk on the stage and they would just be like, Mm, you know like no thought like Eckhart was always about like no thought and like all this and I, I will tell you this like Eckhart Tolle is my experience of him in person was one of the most profound experiences of my life and I'm not sure that I hardly understood a word that he said I mean I kind of did like intellectually mm-hmm. but like it was the way that he walked mm-hmm. it was the way that he uh took a step I or sat down in a chair. It's hard to explain, but it was almost like he took a step only to take a step. He sat down only to sit down. Like every movement was an end in and of itself. Whereas most of my life is like some means to an end, right? I I have to like go here. I have to like take a step to go there, to get this thing done, to go do this thing. And there's a level of suffering in that. And there was just this like deep presence in the midst of his way of being that I like really respected. So I see him as like this true teacher in a sense. But my own personal experience of meditation is like I remember sitting down to meditate in that season of time. And I would just be like, um, don't think, don't think. Or like, okay, wait, I'm just like watching my thoughts, like watching my thoughts, like trying to watch my thoughts and I think I would just get more dysregulated at Mm. the end of the experience than I would be at the beginning of the experience um so and I've talked about this with different people like different personality types connect with different practices in different ways I have found meditation to be a big big like like no for me Mm. like I I don't like I actually don't I think I used to feel shame in talking about it. I'm like oh I'm not spiritual enough because like I don't like to meditate I mean I can sit down like I can access a sense of presence I can act I can kind of drop into my body but like just the the definition of meditation where it's like sit be with yourself observe your thoughts spend time just observing your thoughts to kind of sort of center yourself. It's not a helpful practice for me mm. at all. Wow. I, this is actually really like interesting. And I love boring. that we disagree on this actually, <laughs> because this is you wait, you like it. I'm a fucking meditation teacher, Brady. Like this is like <laughs> my products and my services and my courses are like all based on this. <laughs> so it's wow. great. No, but I love that because this is a great distinction that's being brought up is that as we're having this conversation, we're giving our own personal experiences of what's working for us, which is what I feel that mm. all anyone can ever do. And I'm at a point yeah. in my life where I have no interest in making blanket statements about literally anything. Cause I'm not convinced that there is anything that exists that is going to be experienced by everyone the same, or is going to be helpful to yeah. everyone or is the thing. And I don't think that's the point. I think the point of this human experience is for us all to have a different human experience Mm because my hunch is that source consciousness is trying to experience everything, everything possible Mm. and be everything and do everything with infinite space time. And so it's not supposed to all be the same. We're not supposed to all come to the same conclusion or the one truth or go about it in the same path. And so I love I love that conflict that, you know, that's your, it's a no for you. And it's been a huge thing in my life and a big part of my work. Mm. 
and that we can sit in that difference. You know, I joked, we're not going to be friends anymore, but I guess we can stay friends. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I I think most of my, I think most of my journey has been about tapping into the heart space Mm -hmm. and even the body space. And I think meditation, at least my understanding of in the time that I was really studying it and trying it was more about just kind of observing the head space. And mm-hmm. I know this, you know, this is a very limited um, understanding of what, what a certain meditation practice could be. There's all sorts of different meditation practices and all sorts mm-hmm. of different ways, but sort of the way that I was introduced to it just wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. So for me, what was helpful was like getting in my body and mm-hmm. like um, getting, like feeling my feelings. And you know what, even as I say, like meditation hasn't been helpful, there are other various, there's walking meditations. Of there's course. like all sorts of various Yeah, but like contemplative but the, mindfulness yeah. meditation was yeah. not it for you. And, you know, it's also good that you're bringing this up because something I address in my meditation courses that a lot of people don't talk about is things like neurodivergence and um, different mental health struggles and a lot of things mm. that can shift the way that people experience that. Like, for example, yeah. there's meditations that people are like, visualize this, see this in your mind's eye. And there's some people that are not neurotypical that literally can't do that. Like they can't see things in their mind's eye. They can't see pictures. Yeah. So that's something I think that's also really important to address in these spaces and in all spaces is that there is a lot of diversity amongst the way that we're all wired and how we experience things. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that you're bringing that up. Well, yeah. And I would say... I don't remember what I was going to say, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I was going to say this. Locke Kelly, he's an, he's, he wrote a book called Effortless Mindfulness and Meditation. Mm-hmm. He's a meditation mindfulness teacher. Locke Kelly, L-O-C-H. Mm-hmm. He is one of the greatest um, resources that I found in this space that actually did help me drop in. Mm-hmm. So if you are into mindfulness or meditation and in a positive way, or in a, in a way, in a, or if you're not into it and you like want to find an on-ramp into that might be helpful, he's actually the most helpful teacher that I've personally found. Mm. So I have since then had some positive experiences with mindfulness and meditation, but it was a lot different than the way I was originally introduced to the topic. Mm-hmm. So meditation for me, nope. Mm. But Log Kelly's way, yes. <laughs> hey, in the Let's Get Personal segment of Self Help Me or Self Help Me Not, let's each do one more. You down to, yeah, you down to hit one more? Yeah. So the last one I want to touch base on is sound baths and sound healing in general. This is something that's pretty common in in the well-being space and something that I was actually... And super common in the Los Angeles area where you currently are. Exactly. There's sound baths everywhere all the time. I'm doing <laughs> one on January my- 28th. Plug. There you go. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I... Oddly enough, as someone who works with sound for a living and has for a long time in different ways I actually was pretty skeptical of the whole sound bath thing at first because of Mm. the certain claims that people say of what it's doing like oh this is aligning chakras and like healing your energy and like there's all kinds of stuff that people say that it's doing and I was always like is it doing that I don't know and again Kind of the same as as I I was sharing with Sacred Spa. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening with this. Like, 
especially the more ethereal you get with the energy body and chakras and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to claim that I know. But the story that I want to share is um, in the fall of last year, I shared about this on my socials. Um, I was walking home from the store at night and I was shot at in a drive-by situation. A car pulled up on me and started shooting at me and I survived it, but it clearly left a lot of trauma in my body. And like you weren't, you weren't hit. I was not hit. hit. I was not hit. Um, but you saw like a gun come out of a car and mm-hmm. like actually like firing right at you. Yeah. They fired at me before, as they were pulling up behind me, I heard the shots first, super mm. loud and like started trying to run. And then they pulled up and once they were close to me and I saw the gun, they, the, um, the guy holding the gun didn't actually shoot again. He was sh- shaking and looked really scared. And I think just couldn't do it once he got close to me um yeah it was a really wild experience and I called a friend the first friend I called was someone that I knew who used to be part of a gang and spent some time in prison and um I was like yeah I know like I know you've been through this like what do you do like how do you recover from something like I don't know the first thing to I don't know what to do and he said get a sound bath (laughs) Wow. That was his advice to me. You got to go. Like a former gang member. Like this is how former you like gang recover. Member, spent time in prison. Told me the way that you recover from this is to get a sound bath. And I was like, wow. what? I don't know why I thought that he was going to say. There's moments sometimes where I forget like, yeah, all the same stuff that I'm always telling people and like the same healing mode. Like, yeah. yeah. When you're when I'm in my own shit, all of a sudden I'm like, what do I do? And people are like, take a breath, Emily. I'm like, oh, yeah that thing <laughs> it's so easy to forget that's why we need each other um wait so you did a sound so bath I did, after this so experience. i did it i called my friend and i was like i need a sound bath she came over to my house she gave me a personal one um and i realized how much auditory trauma there was just from the sound of the gunshots and so something about the sound of the bowls i could feel tangibly that it was mm. helping my body release mm. a lot um, and really ground back into a sense of safety. And I, yeah, as she was doing it and she had all these different things like the bowls and all like stuff that I was like, I don't even know what I'm hearing. I have my eyes closed and she's moving it around from ear to like, she's doing all this crazy stuff. And it pulled me into such a deep, deep, deep state of just relaxation and safety and surrender that Mm. I couldn't get like for days I just was just rattled like Mm. I could not ground myself and this really shifted it for me and yeah really was a massive step in my healing process for that um and so that that converted me I was like I I'm a I'm a fan I'm a fan of this now. Um, So yeah, that really, that really did it for me. So I think, I think that, because I have a little bit of a similar kind of uh, cynicism or skepticism towards like sound bath and Mm -hmm. sound healing, because it's like, oh, this can heal your whole life. Just Mm -hmm. lay down and Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the sound bath or whatever. But 
what I find interesting about that story is I really like the idea of where the wound happens, it needs to be healed. Yes. Or where the trauma experience happens needs sort of a new experience for it to happen. And yeah. it's interesting that your experience was actually primarily auditory and sound based. Mm -hmm. And that you found some sense of relief in a new sound experience that helped reorient your nervous system. Yeah. That actually kind of makes sense. Right? Yeah, that's what it felt. I was like, oh, I can see why this helped, why it helped in that way, because it was a lot of the trauma was from just hearing the sound of that. And that's what kept triggering me, because for a while after that, I was like, every loud noise, my body just was back mm -hmm. into fight or flight. And... I actually continued to intentionally go to sound baths regularly for a while after and mm. notice more and more over time that I wasn't getting as rattled by the the loud noises anymore. So. Wow. Yeah. And just a little plug, like we may talk about this again, but Emily does a, a death meditation called, what's it called again? Memento Mori Experience. Memento Mori experience and you can find it on her website and mm -hmm. we'll find a way to get that out to you. But she's had a couple death experiences now mm -hmm. and there's a whole nother level of, I don't know, something that's been opened up, I think, in oh, your yeah. own personal facilitation mm -hmm. because of those personal experiences with death and sort of what that experience is that you create and facilitate through the meditation. And Absolutely. I have personally done it and it's massively profound profound, mm, profound profound thank so. you yeah we could and should do an entire near-death experience episode be really interesting oh i like it actually that sounds like a, like a good plan yeah all right what's your all last right. one my last one so we're doing sound we're doing sound bath sound bath sound healings thumbs up thumbs up it's got right. a yes for me self help me i think the last one i'll go with is breath work and specifically wim hof breath work mm. Mm -hmm. um, something I explored in the last couple of years. You know, there's also some cold exposure stuff, which I won't get into. Uh, but just simply breath work. Mm -hmm. I have known people who have had like really like profound childhood trauma healing experiences through breath work. Mm -hmm. um, there's versions of like psychedelic breath work. But there was a season of time, I think it was during COVID, where I was exploring Wim Hof. And it was a really difficult season for me because I was had very little human to human connection. I was living downtown in Nashville and in, in a in a one bedroom apartment. I wasn't dating anyone at the time. Most of my friends were really secluding and um, not seeing anyone. And for a little bit of relief, I would sometimes do like do Wim Hof breathing. And if you guys don't know who Wim Hof is, he's like this European, I don't know, big, giant, jolly, like, dude who uh, has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro without a shirt on. And, you know, like, it has, they've done, they've done all of these, like, um, research experiments with him where like he's he's been injected with a small amount of some virus and like just through breath work was able to boost his immune system and like you know come into presence and all of these like heal himself and that kind of stuff so i would start to do breath work in the covid time just because i was like like kind of like in a really difficult spot and so the way it works is with, with wim hof is you kind of do like 30 deep inhales and then an exhale and then inhale and exhale and then you kind of like 
breathe all the way in, you hold at the top, and then sometimes you just hold your breath for like a few minutes or as long as you can, and then you repeat it and do maybe five rounds of that kind of thing, and it might take like 30 minutes or something like that. And I'll say this, like some of the blissful states that I was in when I was doing Wim Hof breath work were like really trippy mm. like not full-on psychedelic mm -hmm. trippy but like trippy in the sense of like i i didn't have any sense of time mm -hmm. like i would be holding my breath at the end of one of these cycles and it was almost like i was floating and then like and then i would have a, a timer going mm -hmm. to know how long I was sort of holding my breath. And before I knew it, like three minutes would have gone by. Mm. And looks like that's what got you into the meditative state of no thought. You found it. <laughs> I mean, it def like it definitely was amazing. And then I think it came, it kind of got to a point where I was just trying to see how long I could hold my breath. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as a three, like as this achiever, I was like, I got to break my record. I got to break my record. And I ended up holding my breath for just over five minutes one time. And I was like, so Oh, I long made... in that practice. It's, it's wild. You... I'm like, do I still not need Cause... to breathe? Okay. <laughs> Cause you oxygenate yourself, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like, like so wild. And I'll say this, like, I've done breath work that has really shifted my state for the next couple hours where I almost feel like high. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm not into THC or weed. Uh I've tried it a few times, but it's just not like my thing. It doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. But that kind of sense that high feeling, like I would be like, wow, I kind of feel like floaty and high for a few hours in a really cool way. And I know it also boosts your immune system, it's super helpful. But I'll say this, when it comes to breath work, have I had a good experience with it? Yes. But I've also heard people be like, breath work is the thing that can heal your trauma, mm. like heal your past trauma mm -hmm. and like all your issues. And I will say to that, like a big fat, no, it can't. Mm. Like it can get you into a better state. It can actually help regulate your system. But like the reason that I was struggling during COVID had nothing to do with breath as a as a previous trauma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it had to do with the fact that I was alone, mm. and human connection is such a source of well being that when we're without it, our body goes, "I need this. I'm like desperate for this." And so I would say it was helpful in a sense of like building some, a little bit of resilience and a little bit of like state shifting. But ultimately, if used as a way to escape the truth of what your body is telling you mm -hmm. and what it needs, mm. not a long-term viable solution mm. like what i needed in that season was connection and love mm -hmm. and nurture and support um not just more breathwork sessions to try to uh like ten like uh, in a small period of time try to shift my state so that i could mm. just exist mm -hmm. so i would say yes i love wim hof breathwork and also like no it's not going to heal mm. all your things mm. and be the end all be all so it's kind of a both and for me yeah there's an important distinction you bring up in that that i feel like 
in even this whole process that we're doing of evaluating the effectiveness of these different tools in our own personal experience, there is a big factor that can play into whether or not something is effective. Anything that can be used to escape, to seek, to try to get elsewhere. And oftentimes I find when you approach anything like that, it's probably not going to be as helpful as approaching something to move into presence, acceptance. And that's something that I found for me, like before and after my sort of big awakening experience. Um, mm. Before that, I was really in seeker mode and I would do all all of these different things, all kinds of it with this intention of trying to get enlightened or get to some other state. Yeah. And then all of it kind of becomes not that helpful at that point. Mm. But then so then once I had this realization experience, I was like, oh, I don't need any of this stuff because like I'm already it and I already got it and I'm just here to play. But then slowly they started to come back in as mm. something I found useful to just when I got a little lost in the suffering of it all to come back to that mm. awareness and acceptance. And so, yeah, there's something to be said too about the reason why we're using things. And if we're trying to get out right. of our bodies or get out of our feelings or numb them, then even some of the most beautiful, helpful things can turn into poison when you do it like that. It's so good. Well, hey, should we shift into the second segment? Let's get social. Yeah, I actually have the perfect one to build off your Wim Hof story. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. This is the segment where we talk about social things, commentary, TikToks, Instagrams, articles, stories, cultural trends in the vein of self-help me or self-help me not. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. That beat is again by Emily Capshaw, and I am the one singing. There you go. Collabs. Alrighty. All right, Capshaw. I'm going to pull it. up Let's get social. this photo of this, this yogi man that I'm about to tell you about. So this guy that you're seeing here, if you're watching the video, if you're listening to the audio, we're looking at a picture of this... Indian yogi man sitting on a hospital bed. This man apparently is, he's a breatharian. And so off, off the topic of breath work, he apparently did not eat anything for 70 years is the claim. 70 years. This man did not eat <laughs> only lived off his, his breath. His breath was the thing that um, sustained him. And this photo was taken when he was being tested. They had him for seven days watching him and observing him to make sure that he wasn't eating and he didn't poop and he didn't eat no. for seven days. And they had him hooked up to all this stuff. And apparently his vitals and everything were seemed completely fine for the whole seven days. Wait, did he drink water? I think he did drink water. Um, I don't remember it specifying that in the article, but I, what they did definitely clarify was that he didn't eat and he didn't poop and that his vitals stayed at a healthy level for the, the seven days that he was being monitored. This is wild, but it was just seven days. It was seven days that he was being monitored. So it, the claim of 70 years is still like, who knows? And I don't know what to feel about this because like, uh, the whole breatharian thing like doesn't 
it seems it feels dangerous to me as a as a recovering previous eating disordered suffering person um yeah i feel like i feel very wary of any any health trends that have to do with shifting your perception towards food is a bad thing like food being something that you shouldn't have right um yeah that that's something that that's always a a kind of a red flag for me so like long-term fasts breatharianism um anything that's like eating super super clean and restricted and like oh this is bad and this is bad and this is bad like that's what got me into trouble um i had an eating disorder called orthorexia which is like you believe that your food is bad and that you like it's good it's going to poison you or it's like toxic and try this obsession with eating clean um, clean mm. food, pure food. It's like purity culture, but the food version. <laughs> right. So yeah, for me personally, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. So the interesting thing about that, I actually stumbled into breathinarianism like a few years ago mm-hmm. on one of those YouTube um, like rabbit hole mm-hmm. moments. <laughs> yeah. Like a friend had sent it, had sent it to me, mm-hmm. and. I haven't researched it a lot, but I followed this one guy who was like slowly detoxing mm-hmm. from eating various things and then like like taking himself down to the fully like just air-based diet. Mm-hmm. And it was so fascinating because he was so sincere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually like looked at it as like kind of a human experiment, experience, experiment more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't like, he ultimately couldn't like make it down to just air because he had to drink water. And then like at the, at the very end, like he, he, he like released weekly videos and then like he went like six months without a video. And I was kind of like, wait, what, like what happened? Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately he met like a girl and went off and had a romance and she was like, I don't know, she ate food. And so he <laughs> yeah, like, like because of love came back to eating. It's a good reason. And I'm like, thank, like, thank God, like, thank God he came back to eating. But the one other thing I heard about breathinarianism was like one of the, maybe the American founder of the movement some black dude back in the 80s, I think late 80s, uh, was going around talking about it and like leading the charge. And ultimately, I think he got arrested and they found Twinkies in his hotel room that he had eaten. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I think he went to jail and he was just ultimately <laughs> like a really skinny, like had a, had anorexia. Or, yeah, you know, I'm sure did, there's whatever, a ton a of frauds. Time. I'm sure there's a ton of frauds in that. <laughs> like I'm super skeptical. But who knows? Who like knows? this Indian man. I mean, if any, if I believe anybody does it, I would believe in the Indian guru man. You know, because like there's yeah. probably some possibility. I just think it's dangerous yeah. for like a normal, like modern living mm. person to see that and then be like, oh, I'm gonna be more spiritual yeah. if I don't eat food. Like food makes me less spiritual. That's that's the underlying mm. belief that I feel like is a little mm, dangerous. Mm. I so, dig it. What you got? All right, let's get social. I'm going to pull up an Instagram video mm-hmm. of the one and only Jordan Firstman. If you guys are not familiar with Jordan Firstman, he like does all the impressions on Instagram, and he's hilarious. And this is one of my favorite ones. It's called Doing the Work. I've just been really doing the work politically, spiritually, socially doing the work. And it's hard. 
it's hard, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. Um, and the work that I'm doing is, is just doing the work. The work is doing the work. Um, that's what I always say. <laughs> All right. That's great. That's so good. So he's so good. Listen, because doing the work has sort of been this like this thing that everyone talks about Mm -hmm. in the last uh, like super like like yeah super big buzzword. So I don't think I'm sharing sharing anymore, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, I I respect like doing the work in a sense of like going to therapy and like diving into yourself and the self-awareness journey and like the self-help stuff. But it's been like such a um, now like cliched thing Mm -hmm. that I'm like, wait, do most people do the work? Are they even like actually doing the work? Yeah. And then there's this whole other like philosophical side of me that's like, I like, it's so interesting because there's the work that there's the way that you respond to your life but then there's also like your life happening yeah to me it's like and life is the work life is doing the work on like, you whether you like it or not <laughs> life life is the work yeah and there i think there are things that we can work with our life mm-hmm. and partner with our life in various ways that are helpful but like like ultimately, like life is the doer. Totally. And we are we are the one that are did that, that are exactly. That is did. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's my feeling about it. It's like <laughs> doing the work kind of makes it this. It feels a little like colonized to me, where it's like there's this doing energy of it, where it's like we gotta do the work instead of like you said, life is doing it on us. Like we don't gotta do shit, but just be and receive. But I think I hear this come up a lot in like dating apps and dating culture. People are like mm. looking for someone who's doing the work. Totally. And it, to me, I feel like what people are really saying is, are you teachable and receptive and willing to be self-aware, you know, yes. as things come up to me, that's, that's yes. what that's code word for in my experience. Right. Right. Like, like, um, whether you do yoga or you, you get green shoes (laughs) or you like go to like sound baths kind of is meaningless versus like, are you responding in to your life in the way that it is bringing the things up and teaching Mm -hmm. you about? Yeah. Are you paying attention to what, are you paying attention attention to what life is? showing you right exactly love so it. anyway jordan firstman amazing you're the man i love it All right what else I you got, got one um okay i'm gonna pull up an instagram post from the actor josh berlin this is about perineum sunning the trend where you put your um your booty hole to the sun we're back on the the asshole topic <laughs> we we got the booty coming, hole lover over here the asshole lover. we gotta just talk about assholes a little bit more um <laughs> because we talked about one really great thing to do with your ass and this is a not so great thing to do with your ass um so i'm just gonna read this post um that i have pulled up here this is a a photo of josh berlin's instagram and it's a photo of him naked in happy baby with his his butt to the sky 
And he says, try this perineum sunning that I've been hearing about. And my suggestion is do not do it as long as I did. My pucker hole is crazy burned. And I was going to spend the day shopping with my family. And instead, I'm icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of this pain. I don't know who the fuck thought of this stupid shit, but fuck you nonetheless. Seriously. <laughs> oh my god, Josh! <laughs> I thought that was oh, so funny. That picture, oh, so funny. <laughs> Wait, have you ever done the butthole suntanning? Hell no. There's nothing in me that Not feels either. the need to do that. Apparently, the claim is that it gives you like energy because it's your root chakra gets like activated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems silly to me. <laughs> hey, I have heard. I've had heard from men like if they if they if you get sun on your on your your balls on your testes, uh, that it increases your testosterone. Really, production. I would have thought it would be the opposite. It would like roast roast your guys. <laughs> Cook up, Roast cook your up your baby guy. makers. <laughs> and I have a friend. I actually have a friend um, who's a girl that I know that her doctor was like, "Hey, to increase your uh, vaginal health, like go out for five or ten minutes in the morning and uh, sh- show your part." to the sun it actually <laughs> is supposed to help maybe okay so maybe it's I mean, maybe the moral of the story is less is more less is more here definitely less is more it's a good a good i mean way to think of all things I, i'm st- i'm actually still a fan of being fully clothed so <laughs> really see that's another w- w- place we differ um i'll be naked uh, as much as i can all the time <laughs> <laughs> all the time all right i love it what do you got to all right last one out? Last one from for me is just kind of the idea um, around the word healing mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of see it everywhere, like this new buzz thing, like, hey, if you do this, you can heal your trauma. Mm-hmm. And I've seen everything from like, hey, um, heal your trauma through an, an ayahuasca trip, heal your trauma through... Uh, IVs mm-hmm. like the IVs with the um I don't know all the supplement mm-hmm. vitamin stuff that go in your body and the NAD plus and or microdose mushrooms and heal your trauma or breath work like we talked about earlier heal your trauma and I just think there's like just a massive like misunderstanding mm-hmm. culturally as trauma has become kind of like a one of those buzzwords like what like what trauma actually is and how trauma is actually healed. Mm -hmm. And it it like, it's like a pet peeve for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think one of the guys that I really appreciate is, is Gabor Mate. And I've been reading his, his latest book, the myth of normal. And he's talking a lot about trauma. He's talking about like how we hold things in the body and the relation to childhood trauma and disease and suppressed emotions and different patternings and how it actually causes various illnesses and sicknesses. And so I think like there are some people that are actually starting to talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I'm just a huge believer. Um, he, what well, he says basically like trauma isn't what happens to you. Trauma is what happens inside of you as you experience the thing. Mm. And I think for myself, the biggest trauma that I've kind of known is sort of an overwhelming experience or sensation in the midst or presence of deep aloneness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And so uh, I'm just a huge proponent of like, 
where the wound happens is where the wound needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. And most trauma that happens in our life, it actually happens relationally. Um, and there's a quote in a book. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, um, what has been wounded in relationship must be after all healed through relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think that you can get your body into better states through things like breath work and physiological like resilience through like, um, you know, the IV thing mm -hmm. and all these kind of things. But like if you're actually going to go into the deep trauma work of healing that, you've got to go to have a new experience where the wound sort of began. And that doesn't mean you have to like go back to the same person that caused the trauma, but yeah. there has to be some level of a new relational experience. And I'm just a huge proponent of that. So mm -hmm. anyway, that's my, that's my little shtick. Yeah. For that's how healing. I've experienced it for sure. All the, the most healing moments have been a new experience of some sort around that particular thing. Like you said, not necessarily going back yeah. to the person that caused it, but being kind of teaching the body and teaching the mind and the brain that something else like proving the story wrong in a way because the trauma yeah. the trauma leaves a story to protect yeah from that yes. level of of wound happening again mm -hmm. and so to prove that story wrong is kind of how i experience it and that has to be done through another experience i love it all right. Well, we're coming to the last segment. Let's get deep. This is the segment where we either pull a card or uh, come up with a question, uh, like a personal, intensely vulnerable question where we ask one another to drop into a deeper moment at the end of the podcast. Let's get That was Emily Capshaw, y'all, on the music and the voice. So beautiful. Mm. <laughs> All right, what we got? All right, today's Let's Skip Deep question is uh, actually from a deck by We're Not Really Strangers. I love their uh, their little card deck where it helps, you know, you pull questions and you drop deep mm -hmm. within different people. And this is the question that I pulled today, which I will ask you first, okay. and then I will answer it. Here's the question. Why do you think we met? Ooh. Why do you think you and I met? Hmm. I think we met because of a connected dharmic person purpose to do exactly what we're doing now. I think there is a a spark of creative possibility and a, a similar way that we see the world and the work that we want to do in the world and the gifts that we have to do that. Um, and collaborating upon that is very easeful and fulfilling. And yeah, so I think, I don't know if I go so far as believing in, like I've heard a lot of people talk about the whole soul contract thing. And again, it's one of those like, mm, I don't know, maybe just kind of where I land on literally everything. It's a little boring, <laughs> but totally. um, yeah, but I think there is something to, to when certain people come together, there's something to be created because creative energy is essentially what I feel like is the purpose of all life is to create mm. 
um, in all the different ways that we do, either creating experiences or feelings or art or whatever. And so life is using human beings to create. And yeah, so I think I think we met to create. A creative resonance. Yeah. I like that answer. My answer is like way less philosophical. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I think we met because uh, one of the Gungers posted something with oh, the literal, you in it on Instagram. The and then, uh, <laughs> I mean, actually, like, I could go either way, but I like the um, I I like how opposite this answer. See, this is, is why we. Ba- this like, is a, what I, it proves what I'm saying. We balance each other out. It's great. Totally. I go philosophical. Like, you go I, literal. So one of the gungers posted a picture of you because I think you toured with him for a while mm-hmm. and did some sound stuff. Mm-hmm. And I met the gungers in the music world. We were both artists. Um, toured toured some some places. Uh, played some festivals alongside of them. But I think I saw one of them post about you, and I was like, "Oh, she's she's kind of cute." <laughs> and <laughs> and then I followed you on Instagram, and I think I ultimately dropped into your DMs because you were talking about interesting things, and I think there was like a a, a resonance. And I knew that if you were in the Gunger world, that you and I, because I was friends with them, that like there would be some level of shared camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And, sort of attracted to similar things. Mm -hmm. And then I actually reached out and asked you to record an episode for my podcast, Mm -hmm. which we did and I never dropped Mm -hmm. on the podcast because I burned out. Maybe we'll drop it on Soul um, Games. It'll be like a throwback episode. Maybe maybe we'll drop it. Well, uh, actually, I haven't revisited that Comment below if you want us to drop the throwback episode. Start a petition. <laughs> like and share this video and maybe we will. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So that was three years ago. And uh, yeah, now here we are launching a podcast together. So I think Ooh. it's I think it's ironic and beautiful and the mystery that is life. Who knows why we met, but I'm glad we did. Yeah. To be continued as we see it unfold. Beautiful. I love it. Well, hey. Self-help me or help me not. We've done let's get personal, let's get social, and let's get deep. What would you say are some of your wrap-up final Final thoughts? Final thoughts are what I noticed was off of that definition you shared at the beginning of of the emphasis on the self part. As we started going through each thing, I started having less and less belief that anything really happens in a vacuum at all. Because even all the things we brought up Mm. aren't really totally like independent and autonomous. Um, Mm. There's there's some level of connection either through a plant medicine or the sun or a finger in your asshole. Like (laughs) they're all somewhat collaborative in nature. Um, Even, even to the point of like breath work or meditation, you could say there's a sort of utilizing the, a tool of your breath or something. And so that was just something I noticed that was interesting um, even within this idea of self-help, it's hard to create a separation um, of me versus everything else. There's an inherent connection um, with everything where healing occurs mm. in that connection, whether it's with my breath or with another. So mm. that stuck out to me. I think what comes alive in me in this moment is this idea that, you know, um, 
we have various tools and practices in order to more fully engage with life mm -hmm. and to help in some ways cope with life mm. and to work with suffering. And the thing that life is an inherently relational experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do need to retreat to sort of have some of these times to, to drop in and to process and to let go of sort of sort of balance out in a sense if we get dysregulated about life to kind of re-regulate and some of these practices are, are super helpful but i want to tell like a quick story uh what sort of as an kind of an ending thought of, of an experience i recently had i just got back from puerto Vallarta, mexico celebrating a couple friends this wedding mm -hmm. and the beautiful thing about this trip is like there were 25 people our age who are into all of these kind of things right mm -hmm. like everything we've talked about and way weirder mm -hmm. like way way weirder uh we're on this trip and they you know they go to burning man and they're some are coaches and some are therapists and some are you know they lead retreats and have done plant medicine and breath work and whatever and you know they're getting up early and doing meditation and anyway we're sitting, there's like six of us sitting at a, at a lunch and one of the girls goes, so Brady, or no, actually a guy, he goes, he goes, so Brady, I'm curious, like, what are the tools, like, what are the tools that you use? And in the language of this episode, I'd be like, so what's the self-help mm -hmm. stuff that like you're into right now that's like really helping you? And I just sat for a moment and said, you know, I've tried and experimented with a lot of things over the last number of years to feel happy. And then something shifted inside of me in the last year. Um, I said, I kind of stopped using the tools. Mm -hmm. And it's not 100% true because there's still some things that I kind of will help me if I really get wigged out. But I, but there's a quote that's from the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, and then I think is expanded, by, expanded on by my friend Brian Maynard, where it says, when the when the te when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm -hmm. When the student is truly ready, the teacher disappears. And then he goes on to say, when the teacher is ready, she appears as his life. Mm. And there's uh, been a really beautiful thing that I felt happen inside of me in the last year, where through a lot of pain, through a lot of experiences, through a lot of like unfortunate things that I wish hadn't happened. There was a, there was a coming home to myself in a deeper way where I saw life as the teacher itself mm -hmm. and the tools, um, not always a hundred percent true, but as a way that I was kind of escaping mm -hmm. the, what was happening mm -hmm. in my life mm -hmm. and coming back to the Joseph Campbell quote, every feeling fully felt is bliss. I think most of life is unbearable when we can't fully take in the experience of life. We can't feel it. It's too much for us. It dysregulates us. And I think there is a place in the work or just let's just say in the evolution of being human on this path where parts of us sort of get healed enough or have enough relational experiences with another that they then can be with whatever is happening. Mm. And 
I have done breath work because I couldn't be with the aloneness of what was happening. And now I'm beginning to feel some of the delight of all that's happening, even if it's something that's unpleasant, mm. like even if it's some sense of deep sorrow, anger, uh, there's something that's happening inside of me about being with. And I think ultimately one learns how to be with something when they are first with, like W-I-T-H, Pashvi D. Mm. And that with experience is a deeply relational experience that is uh, impossibly like, like it's tethered. It's impossibly um, like there's no way that it couldn't be tethered to a relational experience because we humans are so deeply relational. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm. yeah, so self self-help is beautiful until it's mm -hmm. not. And ultimately like, I would say life, life is the help. Mm -hmm. Like life is the help mm -hmm. for the self. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so moral of the story here, this here's a whole episode of a bunch of our opinions and we don't really know shit. So mm -mm. don't listen to us. <laughs> no, but listen to us because yeah. I love the conversation. I've really loved having it with you and dropping in. Um, really appreciate your journey. Yeah. and to many more conversations in this vein. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It was a pleasure. Happy to be here. Peace out. Signing out. Later. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you for spending some time with us. If you want to find out more about what's happening with Soul Games, find us on Instagram at The Soul Games or go to thesoulgames.com. Would love your help in rating and reviewing the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned to all future episodes. Hey, and if you're loving these episodes and they make your life a little more beautiful, please consider signing up for the paid subscription of Soul Games, the podcast, or even donating through listener support. Yeah, we'd love your support. All monthly subscribers will get access to bonus content, previous episodes, and be the first to know about exclusive upcoming opportunities to join in on the Soul Games community. Yeah, we're really excited about the Soul Games community, where you'll have a chance to connect with myself, Emily, and others who are on a similar journey of exploring new ways to enjoy the game of life with a touch more soul. Well, we appreciate you all so much, and as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. We are your hosts, Brady Toops and Emily Capshaw. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Love you. Bye. Soul Games, the podcast, is a production of Soul Games Media.